Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. Today, we're doing audio alone because we have some very tough weather in Texas, and we have trouble with our internet. And Daniel is on. He's on by telephone, but I'm sure we can have an interesting conversation with what we have today. We have things to talk about, and we have uh, the campaign to go over and a little foreign policy. So, Daniel, our co-host, is with us. Daniel, say hello to our audience. Good morning, Dr. Paul. Good morning, everyone. Oh, very good. And uh, I'm going to start off, I guess, the one thing I wanted to talk about is uh, talk a little bit about the uh, about the election yesterday. You know, when you think about it, 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 it wasn't a tremendous number of people, but it got a lot of attention and people watch it. And it it is significant. And sometimes it's significant in a very negative way. And I keep uh, complaining about, you know, this uh, big struggle going on between left and right and the peace pe- peaceful people and the warmongers. And uh, we have to change things because the end of the world will come if we have the same president. And uh, a lot of these arguments can be plausible. But I'll tell you, it uh, the long term and even uh, my feeling right now is, you know, uh, there was a definite winner last night. Trump did, did win. And there's a lot of momentum. And Trump is probably going to be the candidate. And probably there's a very good chance he'll be the next president. But if we're honest with ourselves, what really should the American people expect? Is this sort of like, oh, good Lord, this is wonderful now. We don't have to listen to, you know, uh, listen to Biden anymore. And we will have a change in policy. And uh, that's where I, I come up short, because I'm afraid the Republicans don't have a good reputation. We know the good guys there, and there's a few, and even some Democrats will have to open up their minds that on occasion and work with us. But when you come to describing, uh, you know, sound economic policy, sound monetary policy, balancing the budget, having a foreign policy of common sense, all these things. Uh, it, it's just not there. I, I would say this whole campaign where Iowa I got a lot of attention, they, they didn't really talk about uh, foreign policy the way we would like to have them talk. So it's, uh, it's something that puts me in a position where, you know, I have very low expectations on this. Uh, but somebody said, what do you mean? Anybody is better than Biden. And I'm not so sure about that. Uh, you, you know, sometimes if you have an aggressive person, maybe changing a few things, uh, but not changing the big things, maybe the ineptness of a president, maybe they'll slow up. But since the president's really not our president uh, and people pull with strings, it's still very dangerous. So it's uh, it's healthy for the nation that to get a different uh, president. But I'm still very cautious in saying, boy, this is really a, a big deal. And this is going to be very helpful because when I think of, you know, uh, the last administration before Biden, you know, we were using and, they, and, and, and Trump does support sanctions, but the Democrats and most Republicans support that. Uh, they, they don't even talk about or challenge, you know, the power of the Fed to manipulate interest rates and, the, and manage the economy. Uh, which is real. The big problem is you wouldn't have all this runaway spending if you didn't have the Fed. And uh, we we have we have a notion, and there will be a difference in foreign policy about who who's really defending 
our presence around the world, who will be the strongest in defending America. And that's, that can backfire because, you know, the way you do it, do you do it with uh, diplomatic relationships and working out things? Or do you do it by, uh, uh, you know, just shouting and threatening and saying, if you don't go our way, uh, we're going to put sanctions on you. We might even bomb you. Like right now, what, what we're doing is if we're, uh, we're, we're over in the Middle East bombing certain countries. Uh, some people, including myself, have thought, well, maybe that war will be toned down in Syria and Iraq. Iraq, no, it's a hot spot of the world right now. And we have a conversation with, uh, with Iran, but I never, I never did hear very much discussion on this. So Daniel, I think that uh, I cautiously say this, hope for a beneficial change, but right now, I would say the momentum is in the direction of the American people feeling better with anybody who would defend the empire because they made it an issue of patriotism. Daniel. Yeah, I think uh, some of the takeaways of what happened, and this is a, a massive Trump victory. It's an historic Trump victory. He scored more than twice as many votes as anyone close to him. And I noticed on Drudge, which used to be uh, Republican affiliated. Uh, they put up some headlines saying, well, no one showed up. Well, the weather was bad, you know, and weather is often bad in Iowa, but there are always reasons. Um, but plenty of people showed up. I think it was uh, slightly less than the last time. But Trump had a, a wide victory. And I think uh, to your point about the issues not being brought up, I think that um, the Democratic Party can thank its leadership for that. There's no reason to talk about issues. This entire election now is simply about whether or not uh, you hate uh, what's happening in the U.S. Um, you hate the Biden administration. And this, and this is what they've done. Uh, and Glenn Greenwald had a, a, an interesting take on it. And he, uh, he said that the, uh, the historic size of Trump's victory should lead some self-reflection about what caused the complete collapse of faith in the legitimacy of U.S. institutions of authority and justice. So that is that is exactly what this is. Um, and he says, where, whereby voters easily disregarded four felony cases as is irrelevant, if not an asset. So the Republican voters who voted for Trump, for Trump viewed the case against him uh, not as something negative, but as positive because they sincerely believe, and I think we would probably agree with them, that the entire justice system of the United States, because of the way they've gone after Trump, is completely and utterly corrupt. So the vote for Trump, I think, is a vote against all of these people who've been attacking him this time. And I think that's why his victory is, was so huge yesterday. Yeah, that, that's a pr pretty good explanation of this. And we have to wait and see if things improve. That's what my goal is. But, uh, you know, in, in the past, uh, campaigns that frequently have had slogans that uh, carry some weight. And there was the one a couple of the terms back, uh, it, uh, the analysis said, well, it's the economy, stupid. And you're talking about all this other stuff. And, you know, I thought, well, that's right. You know, there is people who say, no, no, it's, it's in your it's in your heart that really counts. No, it's in your head that really counts. And then, then, then it's, it's the economy, stupid. And I, I kept thinking, well, what would what word would I use instead of the economy? Because I happen to think the economy is a big deal. And when I was using uh, this type of approach, I, I would say that, uh, you know, it's in their belly, you, you know, 
people vote from their bellies. And it's almost always in the economy. If people do better, and those statistics are always measured, and that's where Biden is really losing. But we have to realize that a lot of talk doesn't work until people really are better off. And unfortunately, you know, uh, the seeds of, uh, of, of our problems have been planted a long time. And, you know, one very, very good president walking into this, uh, you know, may be, may be a, real, a real difficult task because, uh, you know, they, they said that we, uh, that, that uh, Trump was, the Democrats accused Trump of saying, oh, he wants the depression, he wants the class right now. You know, before before he's in office, and you know, I I have sympathies for that. If you're thinking in a partisan sense, yes, it's better. Just think of how uh, how the Democrats were very gleeful about uh, you know the, the depression coming, and Hoover got blamed for it forever, and yet they were all you, you know it, the policies were were all the same. So, but I would see though uh, the the uh, it's the principles that count. It's the principle of what do you believe in? Do you really believe in liberty? Do you ever, do you clowns up there believe that the oath of office means something? Do you, do you believe that American interests are served by us becoming an empire? You know, it's on and on. So, uh, but the, I think the big thing is, is there is going to be the collapse. Blame is a big deal. And uh, by one year, you know, there may be that gigantic crash between now and November. And then they say, well, then Biden's blamed for it. But Biden needs to be blamed for a lot of stuff. But he, he can't get blamed for, you know, the, the $34 trillion of debt. I mean, that's a bipartisan deal. And it goes on and on. It's, it's currently going on. So that's, that's really a problem. And the victims are the, the people who have carelessly trusted the government that, oh, we'll take care of you. We will have these uh, these uh, these programs to bail you out if you have trouble, and the government is the answer, which isn't the case. The government's a problem, and it's the principles that they follow. That printing money is okay, fiat money is okay, interventionism is okay, and uh, having an empire is really great stuff. And uh, if you have if you have the weapons and you have the uh, control of the finances by having the uh, world reserve currency. You're a powerful tool until that principle runs out of steam. And that's where we are today. So if I had my choice, I'd say it's all about principles. Too bad we don't really talk seriously about the principles that we follow. Yeah, and we didn't really even have haven't had a debate among the primary uh, opponents in the Republican Party. And that's I mean, I I understand Trump's uh, unwillingness to participate because there's no point. He's so far ahead. The other thing that I found interesting. The other thing I found interesting, Dr. Paul, is how much the establishment was pushing Nikki Haley. She is on Trump's heels. She's going to give him a run for his money. She's going to surprise everyone. Well, she did it. She 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 ended up in third place behind a Ron DeSantis whose campaign clearly ran out of gas at the starting gate. Um, so the Nikki Haley that they've artificially tried to uh, to push on the rest of us the, uh, the certainly Republican voters and a lot of crossover voters who are trying to push her and a lot of Democrats who are trying to push her, people like Bill Kristol who are trying to push her. Nobody is buying what Nikki's selling. And I think that's the other big takeaway from Iowa. Yeah, and, 
and I think that uh, the more this activity goes on and the more things they think they find, like Trump is, has been indicted. They just found two more things yesterday and, and they're going to pile on. He can't understand it. And they actually had some of the far left commentators. And they said they're practically in tears. This is so, so weird. It's not possible. <laughs> And true, and they're they're hysterical about the whole thing, and they find and I look at it as an indictment of the people who lie, and you know yeah. people the, the they people who are tired of listening to that nonsense, and they are expressing themselves. So that's where I get some hope because uh, at when the time is right, the people will wake up. I, I mentioned frequently about how the people finally woke up with the problems over COVID. When the parents decided they'd uh, enter it, and and then they help you know slow it down, or stop it to a degree, but that doesn't mean they can walk away and forget about it because uh, you know the people the the people are, tend to be too gullible and they will get hungry. And if they think right now though they don't trust the government, and that's great because when the government comes now and the and a welfareist, uh, either whether it's for the welfare for the rich or the poor, they're not believable. I mean, the country's broke, and uh, I don't think the people realize this. Who wants to hear a bad story? The only way I try to compensate for that terrible story is there's an easy answer to it. It's not complicated. It's just having a system. The founders suggested that we have and emphasize personal liberty and choices. Yeah, I think um, I think the other thing, speaking of principles, Doctor Paul, the other the other takeaway for me is the departure of Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, now we didn't agree with everything he said. We had him on the show a couple times. We met him in D.C. Uh, he spent thirty million of his own uh, dollars on this campaign. Uh, he worked himself to the bone. He took on the mainstream media. He exposed the corruption of the mainstream media and the political process. Um, uh, again, as disappointed as I was with some of his positions, um, and he's now trending on on Twitter X right now, um, I think a big takeaway is, in a way, a star is born. I think he has an enormous amount to offer uh, to the American political scene right now. I think he was the only one speaking intelligently about these issues, and I, for one, I do hope he sticks around because I think he's a very interesting and energetic 38 years old. And he took on all of these uh, people. He he bowed out graciously when he did not get the result he was hoping for in Iowa. He didn't blame anyone. He endorsed Trump and bowed out gracefully. Uh, I, I do think he has a future. I don't know how you feel about it, Dr. Paul. Well, I think it's very interesting, and you're absolutely right. He's the one that has come the closest. Uh, we, uh, we wanted and was quite willing to talk to him, but he, he approached us. That to yes. me is a real nice compliment uh, for our program because we know uh, how much moderation we have and influence. We're, we have a small program, but it's, uh, it's interesting that he looked to one that he said is telling the truth. And, you know, um, he, he, I doubt if he's the kind that's going to walk away and be despondent and discouraged because uh, some people think in a race like that, some of those that have dropped out, right, they're done. They've had their chance and it's all over with. But uh, in another way, and you alluded to it, Daniel, that this might not be that, uh, that, that, uh, that he, he is, he's finished. He's just beginning. He's young. He's, yeah. uh, he, he, 
talent. He's willing to spend his own money, and he has a lot of basic principles. So I look forward to uh, wonder what he's going to do next. You know. Yeah. Uh, well, he, speaking he, of, I'm sorry. One thing ahead. is, not be able to walk away from it. Yeah, I, I hope not. Well, you mentioned as we began that there has not been a lot of debate on foreign policy, and I think that's the case. Nikki Haley and uh, Ron DeSantis are both neocons in their foreign policy, and they've been very aggressive. But uh, there are things happening. And uh, we both uh, noticed this morning on antiwar.com that just as bombs are flying in the Middle East, well, the New Jersey National Guard is going to send 1,500 troops to Iraq and Syria. So that's an occupation force. To me, it looks like they're sending some sitting ducks over there. Yeah, so, so the, you, you know, the goals for the empire exist forever. And I think how they win that is how they get people to go along with war because they always use the uh, patriotism uh, statement. You know, if you're, if you're not for the war and you're not for the troops going over there and dying for needless causes, then you're unpatriotic. You don't like America. And uh, we've talked about that a whole lot. But uh, that's, uh, that's the thing that has to be overcome. And uh, eventually, though, I think people will decide enough is enough. And that's when the country has admitted its bankruptcy. And quite frankly, I think we're getting very close to that point. Yeah, and the uh, the needless sacrificing of these 1,500 soldiers, they're basically sent over there as a tripwire. You know, if any of them are killed, that'll give the justification that Biden needs uh, to escalate the war. That doesn't seem to me a very uh, helpful or patriotic use of American military personnel. Daniel, and you know, right now that we notice that uh, New Jersey sending their guard over to Iraq and Syria sure is a re good reassurance that they're going to guard and protect Iraq and Syrian borders. Uh, but anyway, They've done that before, but at the same time, they're sending 1,500 troops over to uh, Iraq and Syria on wars that have been going on for 20 years, and, and they have to keep the troops busy and give them a job. But at the same time that we're sending troops over there, we find out that Iran is launching ballistic missile strikes in Iraq and Syria. So could yeah. this be a sign of escalation? This looks to me like uh, our argument against escalation that we've been talking about for months, if not for a long time, that when we mess around with intervention, there's always escalations that are unpredictable, the unintended consequences and, and that mess. So this this looks like there's no, no backing away. And uh, I wish you could convince me, Daniel, that it's going to be okay because <laughs> we're Get a new president, and we will buy back away, and the troops are coming home. Yeah, I mean, this attack, as our listeners will remember, there was a terrorist attack in Iran a couple of weeks ago. Uh, up to 200 people were killed in that attack, and it's widely believed that at least there was some involvement by Israel and or the U.S. in this. And Iran vowed to have revenge. They've also had several top generals assassinated by Israel recently. So they have talked about retaliating. And if you look at this strike uh, yesterday, they launched, as you say, they launched missiles in Iraq and Syria, and they targeted what they say were Israeli spy headquarters around, uh, uh, around Erbil in, uh, in Iraq and up in Idlib in Syria. Uh, the interesting thing about this, Dr. Paul, 
is that they've they have uh, premiered a new 1200 kilometer range missile they launched it at the very western part of iran that 1200 kilometer range from the launching point hit idlib that was 1200 kilometers that is the same distance between the launch point and tel aviv so i believe that the missiles were sending a very clear message to israel we're not hitting tel aviv with these missiles but we can so watch out and i think that's a very important message and the other thing is when they hit the uh, in erbil they uh, hit the what they called the Mossad headquarters but it was very close to a U.S. consulate there. So they did not, again, did not hit the U.S., but they hit very close. And I think that was a very clear warning to both the U.S. and Israel. We can hit you when we want, and we're hitting close by, so pay attention. The question is whether the U.S. and Israel will listen to the warning signs. Very good. And, you, you know, you bring up this important point because we've talked about a lot of things that are going on in foreign policy, a lot of countries involved are in past recent history, et cetera. But uh, it really what the current event is, is centered around the Palestinians versus the Israelis. And uh, I've been amazed at the amount of uh, interest in this because you're seeing the uh, demonstration and it really mixes things up is who's, who are the progressives and who are the patriots and what's going on. But th- that, uh, that to me, uh, the amount of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of arguing going on in demonstrations, you know, against both sides is, uh, is, is very interesting. And, and I hope they someday think about, well, how can we avoid this? But, but uh, you know, but, but I do think that your point is very important. This thing centers around, you know, what's going on with, uh, 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 you know, the Palestinians and Israel. And uh, Daniel and our viewers, uh, we're going to have to close out now. Our, our time is up. But I do want to thank uh, our viewers for tuning in today under certain circumstances of our technic- technology here under the weather a bit. But uh, thank you very much for tuning in and please return to the Liberty Report uh, soon. <laughs>